It's a blessing to be back. It's a blessing to, to take some time off, and it's a refreshing to do that, and it's good to be back and to be in the house of the Lord and to see your faces once again and to worship together. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles there. Revelation chapter 4. I'll be reading chapter 4 and 5. If you don't have your own Bible, our ushers have Bibles ready. And if you raise your hand, they'll bring one right to you that you can use throughout our service this morning. Let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's word. Please follow along with me through Revelation 4 and 5. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. 
And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Amen. If you remain standing with me for a moment of prayer, the choir will come with a song after prayer, and then after the choir song, a message today from Brian. Father, we thank you for your grace that allows us to see this day. We even thank you for the time and the moment that we live in, knowing that you have planned this and you have placed us here and you desire that we call upon you for the strength, the courage, the grace and all that we need to live the way that you would have us to live, to respond in this moment the way you would be pleased in us responding. So we pray for that grace and that wisdom and that strength today. We pray that we would not give up. We pray that we will persevere. We pray that we will continue on serving you. We pray that we will be a testimony for you everywhere that we go and a good example before others. We pray, Lord, that we'll carry your gospel message with our lips proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone that we can. We pray that we'd open our mouths and live with our lives a consistent, faithful life that points others to Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would respond and that you would move in the hearts of those who witness us, who see us, who hear us, and that you might save some. We pray, Lord, that you are continuing to do your work, and we pray that you would do your work through us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us and allow us to do and perform your will, and we trust you to do the work that only you can do. Do it, Lord, through us. Use us, Lord. Use the people here at this church and others in this city and all around the world who you have saved, you've redeemed with the blood of your Son. We pray that you'd use us for your glory. If that means, Lord, we will go through persecution, we trust that you will empower us for that. And that through that, you'd open the eyes of some that they might see you 
and glorify you and come to know you. Others, Lord, will see you and they will hate you, but they will know that you are Lord and that you are God and that you reign and that every being answers to you. So we pray that your will will be done. We pray, Lord, for this body of believers, this small group of believers. Lord, some are no longer with us, but that's all right. They are with you now. We thank you for that. You've left us here because the work continues that we have responsibility of. And help us to carry out that work faithfully, Lord. So we pray this morning, Lord, that you would bless your speaker, Brian. We pray, Lord, that you'd open our ears to hear your word and your truth that it would ring in our hearts, that it will, it will enable us and challenge us to live for your glory. We pray for those who've been sick, for those who, um, we just submit them to your care. We think of Joyce this morning, ask you to watch over and bless her. We thank you for Trinace and the surgery that went well with her and her recovery, that that might continue in her tests that are going on this week. We pray for Donna and her surgery that's coming up very soon, that you would just enable her and watch over her. We thank you for Heidi's mom and her eye and, and that surgery that went for her and that, that she's doing better now. We thank you for that. We pray for my dad, Lord, that you would just continue to watch over him and protect him. We thank you for Sister Lola Spears here with us today. We praise you for her, Lord, and thank you for her testimony. I ask you to continue to watch over and bless her. We just continue to pray for your people, Lord, that you would watch over, you would bless. as others, Lord, that are recovering uh, just from, from surgery and from sickness and illness and procedures, Lord, that you would just watch over everyone. And we pray that we would uh, just continue to serve you and be faithful here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Here's a scroll. Now, the book of Revelations is meant to be symbolic. And the pictures and the symbols, in many ways, they are meant to drive us to understand God's word because the pictures come from sometimes different parts of God's word. It's almost like a quiz. Hey, you catch this? This is from Daniel. Hey, you catch this? This is from Luke. You catch this? This was in the book of Genesis. And when you get to the book of Revelations, the reason a lot of people don't like it is because they have not studied their word. Oh, don't get me started on a need to get out of your daily crumb and to get into your daily bread. Yes, you got to look at this word in context. You got to read it from the beginning to the end. And when you do, you will start to see things be uncovered before you. But in this scroll, you see it in God's right hand. And what does the right hand mean? The right hand is power. This scroll is in God's right hand. That means that nobody can take it from God unless he wills it. That's what the power of God means. The power of God means ain't nobody opposing God. And in this scroll, there's writing all the way on the inside and the outside. And what does that mean? Well, ancient people would have known what that meant. But what that meant was that the scroll, he wanted that scroll to hold everything he had to write down. 
And that scroll was a revelation of what the future beholds. That scroll was the future being revealed. It was the will of God. And it had seven seals on it, which means seven, the number seven always means perfection. It was perfectly sealed. But if you were in that ancient day, you would have thought to yourself, the king sitting on his throne, he has this scroll. What does that scroll represent? It must represent his will. It must represent his will. But more than that, it would have puzzled you because it's in God's hand. And so you might think, when I'm saying will, you might think, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we want to know God's will. But I'm talking about more than just a will in the terms of that's what God wants. I'm talking about a will as in my dad writes his will because he knows that one day he will die. Why does God have a will? So now we got a puzzling and a troubling image. And the angel goes forth and he says, who's worthy to open this scroll? And John just starts crying because there's a few things that we got to ask ourselves about this. No one is worthy because who can reveal God's will for the future? Listen to this. If there's no one worthy, then if there's no will, there's no justice. God's revelation of the future means that God will resolve all the problems and all the sin in the world. But without his will being revealed, there is no justice. But if God's will is revealed, does God have to die? Oh, that's a problem. How can God die? And if God dies, who can institute his will? So who could resolve this puzzle that God has a will that he wants somebody else to inherit, but he would have to die for somebody else to inherit and for somebody to inherit it, they would have to have the power of God to establish his will. Whoa! We got a problem. We have a problem. We have an impossibility of a king that cannot die, has a will for the future, that nobody else is on his level, so nobody could take it out of his right hand. Nobody could kill him, so what would be the point of a will? What are we to do? So John says, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. The angel's voice reaches out, and you got to read it rightly because he says, Is no one worthy and no one in heaven? No one on earth? No one under the earth. Now, I know people think, oh, under the earth, that's a demon. No. When he talks about heaven, you got to understand angels and demons are the same creatures. Demons simply made a different moral choice. So when he talks about heaven, he talks about all heavenly creatures, angels or demons. When he talks about on the earth, he talks about all living human beings. None of them found worthy. And when he talks about under the earth, he talks about anybody or anything that has died. Right? You might say, oh, yeah, you know, you don't know. You think LeBron is the greatest, but you didn't see back in the day Dr. J was doing, right? That's what the, doc, the old heads say, right? 
They talk and they say, you weren't alive back then. Well, the Bible is calling the people who was alive and the people who was dead. Is anybody worthy? Nobody worthy. Nobody. And that's why John starts to cry. But then the elder comes by and he says, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. He says, weep no more. Stop crying because there's hope. What is the hope? The hope is the lion of Judah. What does a lion mean? A lion means a powerful king. What does he mean by the root of David? Well, I want you to know that this phrase is not a throwaway phrase. This is something that we find throughout the Bible. Turn with me. I'm going to turn to a lot of passages, and I know I don't normally do this, but I want you to see that this is the word of God. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says there, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or despise disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. What does the word of the Lord say? Verse 10. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Jeremiah, right? We thinking, oh, it's just Isaiah. No, it's not. Jeremiah chapter 23. Verse 5 and 6 says this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and dwell wise, deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 14. It says this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Judah and the house of Israel. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Zechariah 3.7. I know Zechariah is a hard one to turn to. Zechariah 3, 7. It says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong place. Where am I at here? Zechariah 3, 7. I'm sorry. I'm looking in the wrong place. All right, I'm looking in the wrong place. I won't have that one, so let's turn to Revelations 22:16. I had to get y'all that verse after. Revelations 22:16. I Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root 
and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Now, Jesus calls himself the root. But when you think about that, he also calls himself the descendant. And what other pastors have said is that Jesus is the root and the shoot. (laughs) And what that means is Jesus established who David was, but he's also the descendant of David. So he's the root and the branch. You saw passages that I read that said he was a branch. You saw passages that I read that said he was a root. But the truth of the matter is that he is both. He is the one who established David's kingship. And he is the one that fulfills all the things that David could not do. He is the root of David. So the elders introduce a lion, but in comes a lamb. See, because Jesus is a lion and a lamb. Jesus introduces a lion, a ferocious beast, but he died for our sins. He's gentle with us. He loves us. He sacrificed himself for us. He gave himself for us, but he doesn't play with sin. He conquers sin. He didn't play with death. He destroyed death. He don't play with Satan. He destroys the work of Satan. So he's a lion, and he's a lamb. But he's a lion that has lamb-like qualities, and he's a lamb that got lion-like qualities. He's a lion that'll die for me and you, but he's a lamb that conquers the whole world. The things that he does, like a lamb, his death destroys the enemy. But when he's a lion and he destroys the enemy, he's doing it to save me and you. Well, he's a lion and he's a lamb. He appears in the midst of them as if he's slain and he solves the puzzle that couldn't be solved. Because if God has a will, that means God would have to die. But who died? Jesus died. But for a will to be inherited, you got to be alive. So what Jesus do? He rose from the dead. He is a son of God who died so that the will could be in effect. And he rose again so that he can inherit the right to reveal the will of God. Oh, man, that's awesome. He got seven horns because he is perfect in power. He got seven eyes because he is perfect in knowledge and perfect in union with the Holy Spirit. Oh, don't think that when you see revelations that you only see the Son and the Father because the Spirit is there. It was the Spirit that summoned the apostle to the heavenly throne. It was the Spirit who was the seven torches in front of that throne. It is the Spirit who is represented by the seven eyes on this beautiful lamb. So don't think that you can miss the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelations. Or if you do, you're simply not looking hard enough. God the Father is showing us by this lamb that he is unwilling to reveal his will without a savior. Oh, isn't that so beautiful? It's not like Allah. You know, Allah don't mind revealing his will without any kind of hope for people. It's not like Buddha, who reveals a will that we can't discern. We serve a God who will reveal his will, but only through a savior. And that's what the whole book of Revelations is about. That God reveals his will, and it's scary sometimes. 
but he only reveals it through the Lamb. And that's why Jesus is called the Word. Because what is a Word? A Word is the communication of one heart to another heart. Jesus is called the Word because he perfectly brings us the thoughts of God. This scroll filled with writing in and out, he brings that down and he breaks that down and he shows us what that means for us. That's what Jesus does for me and for you. Oh, what a beautiful word. In many ways, God is like an alien to us. But it is Jesus who makes him known. And that's why the rest of the chapter is just worship. Oh, it's just worship. Because you can't help but worship a God like that. The first one to worship is the heavenly court. The heavenly court, they sang a new song. Right? They had already been singing. If you look at Revelations 4, they had already been singing some songs. But John said they came up with a new one here. It's brand new, right? They get on the radio, brand new, brand new, brand new. This is a new one. And they get up there and they throw a new song down and they got harps, which means this is a praise song. This is a happy song. And they say, worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals for you were slain. Remember what I said? It's an inheritance from God. Who can inherit something? Only somebody who has somebody die and is alive. And what Jesus do? He fulfilled both ends of the will, didn't he? That's why he's worthy. He's the only one that did that. You were slain. And not only were you slain, by your people, you, by your blood, you bought a people. He bought everybody that believes in him. Oh, you didn't believe on your own. God had to buy you. And where did he buy you? He bought you from sin and death. We were previously owned. It's hard for people to talk about slavery, but slavery is real today. There are lots of men, women, and children who are enslaved to sin. Oh, they don't think they're enslaved until they try to stop. You don't feel like you're enslaved to that cigarette until you try to quit. You're not enslaved to that alcohol until you try to go a weekend without it. Then you start to realize the slave master said, no, you're not going nowhere. And all these people try to fight and they try to do different things. They say, I'm spiritual. I'm not Christian. I'm spiritual. That spiritual doesn't stop their slavery. Oh, you could turn on the morning talk shows and they could try to solve your problems, but that does not solve the inherent problem of slavery. It just makes you more comfortable in your slavery. That'd be like Abraham Lincoln saying, okay, I don't care about if the slaves get free, but just give them nicer beds. But that does not solve the inherent problem that people are enslaved. People live their whole lives enslaved, and they give their birth to children who are slaves. And they think that their slavery is doing them some good, but oh, it's not doing you any good. Paul said the wages of sin is death. See, but Jesus buys a new people with his blood. There's no precious thing more precious than the blood of Jesus, than the blood of God that was shed for me and for you. 
That's why we can't take sin lightly. It's not that we sit there and we get all mad about sin, but we think about the cost that Jesus paid to free us from sin. It's hard to understand why we should voluntarily go into sin again. When you understand that Jesus had to die for me and for you, you don't take sin as lightly as you used to. Sin is not something that people sweep under the rug. It's something that we got to cross for. Oh, we treat sin differently because we know. And when he received the people, he didn't receive the people and say, well, you know, I just want white people. I just want black people. I just want Jews. I just want Asians. No, he received the people without distinction. When we go into heaven, we're going to see all kinds of people in there. We're going to see the Chinese that are getting killed by their government right now. We're going to see the Russians that Putin don't want. We're going to see the people in the Middle East that the Muslims kill every day. We're going to see the people in Northern Africa who are Christians, who people just think they can rape and kill. We're going to see the people in Europe. We're going to see the old saints. We're going to see the new saints. We're going to see the Americans. We're going to see the Native Americans. We're going to see everybody because guess what? Worshiping Jesus brings us together like nothing else can. Politicians always talk about, oh, we're going to bring people together. You ain't bringing nothing together except for your own election chances. In reality, there is only one thing that can bring us together, and that's Jesus Christ and his blood. And there's one thing that brings saints together when they're not together, and that's worship. Oh, we worship the Lord. When you worship the Lord, it breaks down the barriers. When you worship the Lord and you say, worthy is the lamb, it don't matter whether the guy next to you is a man or a woman, a Jew or a Greek, a black or a white. It doesn't matter who they are because they worship in the same Jesus that you worship in. That same blood that saved me saved you, so how can I make a distinction? Peter came to the man, he said, listen, the Holy Spirit came on them just like he came on us. How can we act like it's a difference? God said to Jonah, listen, man, you got pity on this cattle. But it's million boys and girls. That's what he meant by can't tell they right here from they left. There's a million boys and girls in that city. They haven't killed a single Jew. Are you condemning them to death? And that's how the, the book ends, because it should trouble us that we would ever make a distinction where God doesn't make a distinction. And not only does he save us without distinction, he makes us into a kingdom. Listen, he makes us fulfill the things that he does. Jesus is a prophet, a king, and a priest. And what does he do for his people? He gives us his Holy Spirit that makes us prophets. He gives us a kingdom and he says they will reign. And he makes us priests. That means he makes us worthy to serve before him. Oh, how beautiful it is. The angels start to praise. Millions of angels just bust out. They can't hold back anymore. And they start to praise and they say, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And if you count all those things up, that's seven and what that says is this. That's perfect praise. What it says is, 
the object that they're praising is perfect. Jesus is perfect. But not only do the angels sing, it says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. In other words, there is nobody who doesn't praise to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Every knee will bow. Worship will not always be an option. Oh, you don't say that these are all the things that are saved. Because there will come a day where people will simply have to acknowledge the truth. Men and women, boys and girls, will have to fall before the throne of God. Angels and demons, animals, no matter what it is, they will have to acknowledge that Jesus and God the Father are in charge and sovereign and reign and they can't stop him. It's kind of like the criminal. He has to put his arms behind his back, not because he's willing, but because he's been overpowered. And so it is you. That's why the four living creatures, they look out, they're like, whoa, they praise him? Amen. Because even unsaved people can say true things about God. And sometimes we can just say amen. We don't necessarily praise the source, but we praise the statement. And the elders fell down and worshiped. They say, well, this is just another chance to worship the Lord. But I see where it's coming from. It's coming from everybody. And throughout the rest of the book of Revelation, you see Jesus removing those seals because he's revealing to us the will of God. I want to point out some things as we have already preached on the whole book, I mean on the whole chapter 5, and that is this. Don't base unity on anything but Christ. You see people being brought together only by Jesus Christ. Even in the book of Acts, people were brought together despite their languages, despite their heritage, to start their culture because the Holy Spirit had called them. Whenever there is unity on something outside of Christ, you can guarantee that it is something sinful. What happened at the Tower of Babel? People getting unified. Oh, they was all unified, but they were unified to oppose God. Unity needs Christ. Other thing I notice is that worship brings all creation together. Jesus said the rocks will cry out, but I believe the rocks will cry out one day because all creation will worship the creator. I think about Christ's role in this chapter. Because when you talk about the ministry of Christ, it's not just his death, burial, and resurrection, even though that's the center of what his role is. But when I think about Christ, I think about the fact that before he was born, he was. And in his being, he created the kingship of David. And that's why he's the root. Yes, I think about his death and his resurrection when I think about the lamb. But I can't help but think that he's sitting at the right hand of God right now, and he's a lion. I think about the warnings from this text. 
And I would say beware assuming that a scary future means that God is losing or has lost control. I think the reason that people have a problem with reading Revelation is because they don't have the faith to understand that God is in control even when things are scary. Right? Scary things test our faith. I think people have a problem with the book of Revelations because they forget that God has never lost control. And so I would say beware putting your faith in anything else. Because everything else in the world will and can be shaken. But God's throne will not be shaken. I think this. Fear the Holy Spirit represented by the seven torches. Because if you miss the Holy Spirit's role in the book of Revelations, you miss a third of what Revelations is about. The Holy Spirit was the one who summoned the prophet to understand these revelations. The Holy Spirit is the one who brought the apostle into the throne room of God. The Holy Spirit is the seven torches in front of the throne room. In other words, he illuminates who God is. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us to understand this book. It's the Holy Spirit that was part of the seven eyes that was on Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, who descended on him like a dove? It was the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that drove him into the wilderness so that he could fight Satan for me and for you. Oh, we praise and worship God, the Holy Spirit. Oh, we praise and worship Jesus Christ, because this whole chapter is about Jesus Christ. Right? If you fell asleep and you wake up now, what I'm going to tell you, the whole sermon was about Jesus Christ. He's a lamb with seven horns. At least you could pretend that you listened if you heard that part, right? He got seven horns. He is the lamb of God. Isn't that what John the Baptist said? Oh, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Oh, the Lamb of God with the seven horns. Don't mess with him. Oh, you might think he's soft because he died. But he died of his own choice. Jesus said, they didn't take my life. I laid it down. And guess what? I took it back up again. Jesus will return. Not as a gentle lamb, but as a lamb with the seven horns spread out. And don't get in the way. And then we talk about the Spirit, we talk about the Son, but we can't forget the Father. And you might say to me, Brian, what is the Father doing other than giving the throne, giving a scroll? He's just sitting on his throne. That's the point. That's the point. He's sitting on his throne because he is not bothered or worried. Even though all kind of things happen through the book of Revelations, you never see him get up because he's not surprised. He don't do a juke like this. You know, when I'm sitting at home, let me tell you, there was a commercial, a Swift commercial. Anybody remember it said there's no deep couch sitting. And in my house, there's no deep couch sitting, at least for one of us, right? If I'm deep couch sitting, my wife is not deep couch sitting. Somebody got to be worried because Jordy going to do something. Ethan and AJ going to do something, but it's mainly Jordy, let's be real. But when God the Father is sitting in this throne, he ain't bothered. 
because everything is going according to his plan. Throughout the book, he never gets up because he's not troubled. And what he's saying is, rest in me. Do you trust that my plan is going exactly as I will it? Then sit back and watch what I'm doing. Let future, the future unfold itself according to the scroll that I have already written. And if you have questions about what the future will unfold, get with the lamb and he will unroll the scroll for you. And he will show you what my will is. Don't go to anybody else because nobody else is worthy to know my plan. Nobody worthy. Because my plan is in my right hand. And nobody can take anything out of my right hand. And you know what? Not only do I have my scroll in my right hand, I have you in my right hand. Jesus said no one is able to take them out of the Father's hand. So if I hold your salvation and your future and your hope in my right hand, it's secure. That's why I'm sitting down, because I already know what I have done. And I already wrote the future. The future is simply a play that I already wrote. And let all the actors do what they do. I'm not surprised. You need to look and worship me. Because as majestic as God is, he's also approachable. As majestic as heaven is, many times they bring the incense. And you know what the incense is in Revelations? Yes, it's the prayers of the saints. As important as God is, he takes time to hear from us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We pray that you just continue to bless us in your word. In your name we pray. Amen. And we have a representative from the families come up. Keisha wants to meet with us for the dinner. She's in the nursery. So come up to the front if you're going to represent the families for the meal. Um, can I just say a word? I know it's a little bit of confusion about communion. We won't be having communion today. Um, I wasn't prepared for it and I didn't think that we had everything set up. So what we'll do is go ahead to our next month in November, the first Sunday in November is we'll have our regular communion. It was probably. Oh, I didn't know that either. I thought, well, we might as well just go without it too, because I thought, I didn't know.